I remember having lunch a few years ago uh, with a friend who happens to be an atheist. When our food arrived and it was time for me to say grace the way I normally do, I, I hesitated. But my friend knows that I pray before meals, so he said, go ahead, say something, I don't mind. <laughs> so I closed my eyes and prayed out loud, bless this food and this friendship, and thank you for this day, amen. When I opened my eyes, my friend was looking at me and frowning. He said, what the heck was that? You call that a prayer? Well, I, I said I didn't want to make you uncomfortable and go on about God's gifts and Jesus Christ and all that, so I, I kept it simple. That's ridiculous, he cried. You're not praying for my sake. I don't believe in that stuff anyway. What you're saying is between you and your God, so if you're a believer and you're going to pray, then you should just do it. And to heck with what other people think. Oh, great, I said a little defensively. Now my atheist friends are schooling me in how to pray the right way. <laughs> Not at all, he calmly replied. All I'm saying is, be who you are. Atheists think they know everything. <laughs> but I had to admit my friend was right. And I later realized that it was not his discomfort that I was worried about. It was mine. Because even though I am an ordained priest, I still sometimes get a little embarrassed by what I call PDRs, public displays of religion. For example, uh, when I fly on a plane, I sometimes get nervous during takeoffs and landings. So I say a little prayer. But when the, when the time comes for me to make the sign of the cross in my prayers, I, I always try to sneak it in when nobody's looking, <laughs> uh, like this. <laughs> it's as if I'm doing something embarrassing, like, like picking food out from between my teeth. I don't want anyone to see. Needless to say, I'm not a very good evangelist for the gospel, <laughs> at least when I'm not wearing my clericals. So I share these personal stories because maybe some of you might feel the same way. You come to church on Sundays and you may participate in religious activities at other times, but in your day-to-day -day life, you, you find it's easier to compartmentalize your faith, to not let it spill over into your interactions with the secular world. Because, you know, that can get messy. Some of us are shy or protective about our faith. We see it as a private matter between us and God. And frankly, it's not very cool to speak openly about our faith. In this culture, the loudest religious voices still shout condemnation, drowning out our quieter insistence on unconditional love. Our very own Church of England just a few days ago released a statement saying that same-sex marriage falls short of God's purpose for human beings, uh, despite it being legal in that country and this. And we live in an increasingly secular world that often views our faith in God's grace as, you know, quaint, if not foolish. So the attitude of many in our culture towards religion runs the spectrum from mild curiosity to outright hostility, with indifference or discomfort being the most common responses. The unease that we may feel in expressing our faith is encapsulated in a cartoon someone once sent me. Uh, you, you probably can't see it, so I will describe it to you. 
Two men are at a bus stop, both holding briefcases. One wears a suit and the other wears a t-shirt that says, let's talk about Jesus. As they wait for the bus, the guy with the t-shirt says, it guarantees me an entire seat all to myself. (laughs) Nobody wants to talk about Jesus. It's no wonder that many of us choose to mute our faith when dealing with the rest of the world. And yet today's readings call us to that very proclamation of faith, despite the reaction of others. In the epistle to the Corinthians, Paul writes, The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In Paul's day, the cross was probably the most humiliating form of capital punishment in the Roman world, reserved for revolutionaries and the worst criminals. So for Christians to seek their salvation from a man killed on the cross was considered ridiculous by others. But on that cross, the early Christians saw God's unconditional love in the self-sacrifice of Jesus. As a result, they tried to emulate Christ by loving one another and making personal sacrifices for the welfare of their community. We live in a secular world that often views our faith in God's grace as foolish, as I said. Because in the culture that surrounds us, most people are told to rely on their own potential and to seek personal fulfillment and happiness. But we are called to something larger than ourselves and our own achievements. In the words of our baptismal covenant, we are called to proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ, to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourself, to strive for justice and peace among all people, and to respect the dignity of every human being, all with God's help. And even so, we stumble in our efforts, or we find ourselves reluctant to fulfill our call, because, you know, sometimes it's hard. And when we hear in today's gospel how Jesus called those first disciples and they left their nets and their fishing boats immediately to follow him, I mean, I get kind of discouraged when I hear that. I doubt I could ever leave everything like they did. I, you know, I can't even make the sign of the cross on an airplane or pray over my meal in front of a friend. But, you know, I'm a priest now, (laughs) and it's possible. And perhaps we can take comfort in the fact that even after they were called, the disciples themselves stumbled and screwed up. Philip could never quite grasp that Jesus was the Messiah. James and John wanted prime seating in heaven. And thank goodness for Peter, who sometimes lost his temper whose faith wavered while he walked on the water, and who even denied knowing Jesus in order to save himself. If Peter can make it, maybe we can too. Jesus exhorts us today to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That word repent comes from the Greek noun metanoia, which you may have heard before. Metanoia means to change one's mind, to reorient one's thoughts in a different direction. So maybe it's enough to keep trying, 
to continually work at realigning ourselves towards God's intentions, however imperfectly we do it. The more we work at this, the easier it will become to proclaim our faith more fully and openly in the world without embarrassment through our words and through our deeds. As my atheist friend once encouraged me, so I urge you, be who you are. However tentative your faith or strong your belief, don't be afraid to express it. God loves you, and God will meet you wherever you are on your journey. Because the world needs both our small gestures of faith, our public displays of religion, and our larger commitment to justice and peace for all. The more we can be who we are, the closer we will come to manifesting God's kingdom here on earth. May it be so. Amen.